SummerSlam week is upon us. The second biggest show of the year. WWE's put a pretty good card together and we're going to analyze it, break it down, give our preview, our predictions, our big takes for the next hour or so. But first, Kevin, we have some thoughts about the other company, as uh, Triple H just said in the uh, Cody Rhodes documentary, the second, the number two, the non-competitor, AEW, and a bit of NXT, pal. So plenty to look forward to you, for you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Kevin, how are we? I'm good. How are you, pal? Pal, I'm doing great. It's 5.47 on a Wednesday morning here in Australia in the land down under. All our, uh, you know, non-audio listeners, our ones watching on YouTube, you'll see me with my beautiful hoodie. Uh, Kevin, I'll ask you, let's just jump right into this, pal. You've been watching a bit of AW lately. You've been watching really the main sort of stuff as well, particularly CM Punk. Where, where are you at with him now? Because we made a big thing about CM Punk like six, eight, ten weeks ago about mm. when he comes back, his impacts, what we expect, what we look forward to from him. They're doing this stuff with Ricky Sucks. Kevin, I'll bounce past to you. What are your thoughts on what you've seen so far? Well, but before I answer that, let me ask you this question. Where are you in terms of just like your wrestling viewership? Are you watching wrestling every day, weekly? You watching like SmackDown in full? Like, where are you at in t- just in terms of your viewing habits? Yeah, so I'm watching all the the YouTube clips of well, most of SmackDown's clips, which I think also how many different clips from each show tells you a lot about your general interest. So I'm watching most of the SmackDown stuff. I'm watching maybe some, so, so half of the Raw stuff. I'm watching literally the CM Punk stocks and then the the MJF Cole AW segments. So I'm watching like two aw things a week and i follow like no nxt so that's sort of where i'm at basically i'm most interested in smackdown i'm not watching any show like in its entirety kevin i don't personally have the time or the the life capacity to sit down and watch two three hours of a a weekly tv show for wrestling i'll watch the pay-per-views that's fine but the weekly shows i I don't have the capacity to so i don't i don't i just watch the clips so that's that's for me kevin for you what, what are we looking at for you? Yeah, that's where I'm at, too. I watch just the clips, and I, I keep my finger on the pulse on what's going on in Twitter, see what's trending or who's trending. That's kind of how I garner what's going on in wrestling, just from a general standpoint, based on, yeah, based on Twitter, mostly. And then if it's something that I that I see a lot of people talking about, like a lot of people are talking about the CM Punk segment, so I went out of my way, I watched the clip. Uh, I, I really don't sit back and watch, like, everything. Uh, there's some weeks where I'll let Dynamite pass by. I don't check in or Collision. I don't really check in on it. But I, I did watch that CM Punk and that that Ricky Stark segment. I thought it was intriguing. You know, CM Punk with the microphone is just really good. But please, can we get like a break on these Tony Schiavone interview segments? Like, it's not 1985 anymore, bro. The 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 studio style of shooting wrestling television. It just I don't think it works in an arena full of like 12,000 people. I I don't think it's like something that I really want to see in particular. I like the uh, the reenactment you're doing there, pal. Thank you for yeah. uh, for adding flavor, adding color uh, to my commentary. You see what I did there, pal? Wow, uh, that was great. That was a good one. But uh, just uh, overall, I I think Collision, it did like 750,000 viewers was the number that came out uh, for Saturday's show. I, I think Collision, I want to say this, maybe a bit of a hot take, it is the best show in terms of AEW. It's the, I think it's a lot better than Dynamite, and I think it's easily just superior to Rampage. I didn't even know Rampage was still going on. I thought that got the can, too. 
But I know we we had like uh, we were kind of trashing, not trashing, but we were just like we were talking about Collision when they dipped under five hundred thousand viewers. Yeah. And I think AEW saw that and was like, mm, we probably can't have this happen. So it's not by coincidence that now MJF and Adam Cole, the hottest thing in the company, they're showing up on Saturday nights. CM Punk is doing edgy promos. Uh, we're getting near a, 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 a teaser of a feud with him and MJF for AEW All In in Wembley Stadium. As CM Punk said, he's the only wrestler that's talking about Wembley Stadium. But what do you think about his new gimmick now? He's really leaning into this whole like voice of the voiceless thing and being the one that says things that other people won't say. Pal, I love the line where he goes, you know, and I make my towns. I take pride in making my towns. Says the guy who, and this is from a big fan of him, took seven years away in his absolute prime to just not show up and not wrestle. I really, I make my towns. You didn't for seven years in your prime, Phil. But anyway, the promo was entertaining. I, I agree with what you say. Punk promos have this element of what's he going to say? Like, where's he going with this? Because Phil can and will go anywhere if he wants to. He'll just just shoot off the cuff and you can't tell, tell him what to say. So I like that. The promo segment they did with Starks, I thought was entertaining. Once again, Punk works the crowd well. I love him doing the, the Hogan ear to the audience. I love that sort of stuff. I love that, not so much the element with Shivani. I do agree. I think the element with Tony Shivani is a bit sort of, okay, like, does he need to be there? You know, does he really need to be there? Um, typical AW, that segment, they couldn't go the whole segment without mentioning the word deserves. Stark said he deserves a title match four times. And then they mentioned Connecticut with that, that line about, you know, Ricky Starks. Where are you going to pull a referee from? One of your old buddies from Connecticut. Oi! Cheap shot at WWE, cheap pop. Hey, you know, I was like, okay, we're still doing this, I guess, you know, cool. Uh, but yeah, when it comes to that punk promo, I also love the shirt as well. I think, I mean, Kevin, were you able to find the shirt? Because I was watching it. I know you thought something similar. That's one of the cooler AW shirts I've seen in their history. Can you like buy it? Are you going to order that shirt for the show, pal? You're wearing Eddie one now. Are you going to wear a punk shirt, pal? I was actually looking to purchase that, that t-shirt. I was on shopaew.com. I was just shifting through tearing through the website trying to get to the bottom of where i can find this shirt and it's not on the website yet i'd like to buy the shirt that you know the wrestler is wearing on the the tv show that'd be great but you know i guess it's not available well kevin if you want that punk shirt that's great cool good for you if you can find it eventually you can give tony khan your money and you can buy that but shortly in the meantime kevin to, to really fill that void you can support a great tag team like the Acclaimed with the, quote, scissor me daddy ass shirt. Yes. You, you can pay $29.99 for a shirt in big pink letters saying scissor me and then pictures of cartoon fingers doing this and then in big pink capitals, daddy ass, yes. exclamation mark. I can, Kevin, I can buy that shirt. You're right. I can. I could. Kevin, this is the content we need, but... You, so so you want you want to see me wear that shirt live on on Elite Heat, pal? Pal, can you imagine? That would be hilarious. I, I get that in every Elite Heat clip thumbnail. You with a Sizzamy Daddy R shirt, but no, like for real. The, the punk thing's interesting. I like that you mentioned Wembley Stadium because they barely mentioned that. Like that's as punk alluded to. No one's really mentioning it in AW. It's just like, oh yeah, that's happening in four weeks. Cool. We've got 80,000 tickets sold at Wembley. All outs happening like the week after. All in. Whatever, you know, we're not going to mention it. It's, it's, it's a bit odd. Like, that's the one takeaway I do have on that. 
Like I, I personally think if you've got this big all-in show, Wembley Stadium, 80,000 people, you go all-in with the marketing, all-in with the build-up. You, you make it seem like this is AW's biggest show ever. This isn't just some pay-per-view being held in front of 15,000 people in a random building in the US. This is 80,000 people in the UK. This is the biggest thing AW's ever done. Market it that way. Instead, it's just Punk's barely mentioned it. It's four weeks out. That's not good enough. They need to do better on that. That's my stance. I don't know what you think on that, Kevin, but I figure it's your biggest show ever. Talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. I don't know. I think you're on to something, pal, but I want to talk uh, for a moment about NXT. So I, I watched uh, Great American Bash, and really the big takeaway that I have here is Gable Stevenson. Did, did you see anything of his big debut match with Baron Corbin or the promo leading up to it or anything like that? I, funnily enough, I've seen the build-up with him and, you know, where he's throwing people around on that, I forget what the, the actual thing is, the, under, actually the underground thing they did with him throwing people around and him, like, announcing himself, Gable Stevenson arriving. I've seen that sort of stuff. I haven't seen the match. So you can maybe fill me in. Is there, and the listeners in who haven't seen it, is there, you know, is this the next big thing? Does he still got a ways to go? What do you think of it, pal? So essentially what happened in the match... Uh, that they threw Baron Corbin out there, you know, I assume because Baron Corbin is a safe wrestler, a good hand, if you will, someone who's been around for a long time, very middle-of-the-pack kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Put him in there with Gable Stevenson, somebody that, you know, he can work with and kind of learn the ropes, for lack of a better term. Um, and then he's out there wrestling Baron Corbin on Sunday at NXT Great American Bash. And the crowd the whole time is chanting things like, you suck, you're not Kurt Angle... They're cheering for Baron Corbin. They're literally doing Baron Corbin chants. It was like, I don't know. Let me see. It was like a six and a half minute match or something. Let me get the exact number. Yeah, six and a half minutes. And it ended in a double count out is what it is. But really, that's the big takeaway for me is that, you know, he's getting the you're not angle chance. You suck. It's kind of similar to the Goldberg chance that like Ryback would get or Brock Lesnar would get. But really, what's interesting, too, is that a lot of people on the Internet were talking about, you know, some allegations that he has against him and they're just like yeah he deserves this he sucks we're not going to take to him so it brings me to this topic about gable Stevenson in particular do you mm-hmm. see him potentially being a star in wwe one day or do you think he can get over the hump and eventually connect with the casual audience because that the hardcore audience clearly doesn't want him and maybe he can win them over but i don't know what do you think Oh, well, if he has about two good matches, he'll win them over. But uh, when it comes to just generally speaking, Gable, I mean, once Triple H gets his hands on on the main roster and is booking him, I have no doubt the audience will be, I guess, a bit more you know, favorable to him. I don't know. What I'm hearing there, I, I, I didn't see that personally. What I'm hearing there, just my initial reaction to Gable Stevenson, essentially getting, for lack of a better term, the Ryback-Goldberg treatment, the Ooh, we don't, you know, like all this sort of carry on. I'm not a fan of that. I give the guy a chance. I mean, you mentioned like the stuff with allegations. I mean, Darby Allen's allegations and that, that hardly ever gets mentioned. You know, that, that's not a big deal. That doesn't get him booed and negative crowd reactions all the time. And there's a number of guys in wrestling who are like that as well, where there are, there are allegations. We don't know it's allegations. But as far as Gable Stevenson's WWE career, I mean, I like, I like, I like the thought of him being a, potential future big star of the company. I like the thought of him going a long way. You never know where he's going to go. Just because in the past, in the last 20, 25 years, we've seen Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle. We've seen some other great athletes really translate and have successful careers. 
yeah, that's great for them. Forget them. This is Gable Stevenson. What can he produce for you? We don't need to just associate him to them and try and tarnish him right out of the box. That's not fair to Gable. So that's my stance at least. I don't know, Kevin. You enjoyed this great match with Baron Corbin, a, uh, a Vince McMahon favorite who's now so far down the rungs of WWE, it's not funny. Anything else from Great American Batch, pal? Any big takeaways? Any ruthless opinions, pal, for our lovely listeners? I just want to say overall, uh, from what I watched, I watched a 20-minute highlight clip of the entire show. And it, it really seemed like NXT has got their momentum. Not say that they got their full momentum back, because I don't know if they'll ever reach like where they were in like 2016, 17. You know, when they had like Nakamura there and Sami Zayn and Finn Balor, Kevin Owens. I don't think they'll ever get to that height. But it does seem like NXT has some direction now. Because there was a while there, especially like right before the pandemic and like through the pandemic, where it was just like, okay, this is an indie show with a budget. And you had like Adam Cole versus Tommaso Ciampa for a thousand times for no reason. And then you had the NXT 2.0 that was like, okay, this is the future. This is about college athletes, uh, amateur wrestlers, celebrities, young wrestlers. And then we're going to give the belt to Dolph Ziggler. Yep. So now it's like, now it seems like, I don't know if you want to call this NXT 3.0 or... Mm -hmm. The, the reclaim of NXT, whatever you have, you want to phrase it. It seems like they have something going here. They have a good core of talent. I, I really enjoyed the family, the new tag team champions. Uh, and then, you know, you got Carmelo Hayes, who's carrying the brand. Dominic Mysterio, I think he's a good addition. He's clearly, he's not ready for like a main roster championship. So putting him in NXT and letting him kind of run wild with the North American championship, I think it's a good spice to the mix. So yeah, I, I think NXT in short, they're gaining momentum, and it's a step in the positive direction, what they've been doing the last, like, five, six months. Would you say they've found a balance? Because as you allude to, NXT, especially in 2020, 2021, that black and gold version, which, as you allude to, it was Fergal Devitt, Finn Balor of the Prince, holding the title for a year, wrestling matches in front of no fans. Like, there was that, which was just so far one way, black and gold. And then they had that sugar rush and became 2.0, and it was like, oh my God, everything's in your face. Everything's super colorful. Everything's like over the top. They're trying to be super ruthlessly entertaining. And then now they've, have they found the balance better, would you say? Is that helping them? Because I feel like when I look at NXT now, given how good SmackDown is most weeks, how consistent that product is, given how consistent the Raw product is on the whole, NXT doesn't need to be that, you know, outstanding beacon of light in wrestling for WWE, how it was in 2018 when, for the most part, Raw was awful all year. SmackDown was good for three months at the end of the year. And NXT was like the only thing WWE really had that was like worth watching. So in that being said, Kevin, I'll ask you, has NXT found the balance, would you say? I think so. And, and I, I mean, not to answer your question with a question, but how does NXT function? Like, can you make it a third brand? Can you build around a certain core of wrestlers and then bring in like a, an alternating cast and crew of like rejects or guys that have kind of worn out their welcome on the main roster, like 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 Baron Corbin, Ziggler, guys like that, along with a healthy mix of a young core that you can build around. We saw what they did with NXT in its prime, where the guys that were popular in NXT, the casual audience didn't care about them. You know, Nakamura, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, those guys, yeah, they're great, and they became great hands in WWE, but it was like, it took a while for them to connect. 
But for the most part, a lot of the guys that were running wild in NXT, aside from those few that I mentioned and a couple others, not a lot of them really stuck on the main roster. Like Gargano, Champa, Adam Cole, guys like that didn't really stick. So I don't know what you could do with NXT. You use it as a developmental ground, but then you bring the guys up to the main roster. Like you bring, let's say they bring up Braun Breaker. Is Braun Breaker gonna stick in the main roster? Who knows? So I don't know. It's kind of a gray area with how they keep NXT healthy and keep it going without a, a consistent direction. Yeah, I, whatever they can do to make it the most sustainable it can be, and whether, as you say, that's a mix of your Baron Corbins, your guys who don't quite click on the main roster, or guys who have something maybe to offer more, more character development from guys we've seen, guys we know, guys who've been around the block, mixed with, yeah, Bron Breakers, Gable Stevensons, Mellow Hayes, and like the real kind of youth movement, and new wrestlers who come in from the Next in Line program, or wrestlers Nick Khan pulls off of the internet, or whoever like a, a healthy balance of that because Kevin, this, this like NXT has moved on from the, we're trying to stagnate AW out of the blocks phase in 2019. It's not, it's not there anymore to make sure AW doesn't get 1.5 million viewers every dynamite. It's not there for that anymore. It's not there to try and, you know, dismiss AW. Now it's just, it's its own entity. It's a third show for WWE. It's a, a mix of the talent who can't really make it on the main roster with talent who are trying to be up and coming. So, yeah, ways to be seen. Um, I'm not really tuning in to NXT. I guess that, that says all it needs to. I don't really care enough. They're not doing enough for me. Uh, maybe if I watch Great American Bash, I'll have different opinions. But at the moment, I'm not personally compelled to watch it. It's sort of what developmental is there to be. It's good if you want to watch it. But I guess from what you're telling me and what I've heard, and it's you know decent, some great talent in there, some good up-and-comers, but I'm not using it as a, an entertainment brand that I'm desperate to watch every week. It's just there you go. Sort of there. Yeah, I'll make a recommendation. If you're going to watch one match from this show, uh, watch the Weapons Wild match between Ro- Roxanne Perez and Blair Davenport. The match was damn good and fun. But uh, before we go to SummerSlam, I want to say one thing, too. Uh-huh. So there was a, a news story that dropped, or maybe not a news story, but a, a stat that dropped that showed okay. that Austin Theory has wrestled the most matches of any WWE wrestler in 2023. He's wrestled more than Cody Rhodes, Damian Priest, uh, you know, guys of that nature. Let me pull up the top five here for a second. So it's, yeah, Austin Theory, 59 matches. Damian Priest, 58 matches. Seth Rollins, 58. Cody, 57. And Gunther, 57. So Austin Theory, by that nature, just looking at that stat, you would think Austin Theory is like this star that WWE is building around. And for me... What, what, I, what I garner here from people tweeting out this stat and making this stat known is that they're trying to create, like, within, amongst the internet community, like, uh, the Miz love, for lack of a better term. Lack yeah. of a better term. They're trying to turn this guy into this generation's Miz because he clocks into work on time and clocks out on time and shows up every day. That means we have to like Austin Theory. I, I can see it now in 10 years. Uh, Austin Theory is going to be a, a mid-card guy. You know, he's going to get some stupid talk show. Theory's Playground or whatever the hell they, they end up calling it. And, and he's going to have a, a segment every Monday night on Raw when Raw's on God knows what network station or streaming platform or website. Who knows where what Raw is going to be on in 10 years. But we're going to have a, a 38-year-old Austin Theory coming out saying, hey, Welcome to A-Town Down. On this week's A-Town Down, I have Hollywood celebrity Dwayne The Rock Johnson on here. And The Rock's going to come out with his walker, calling out Roman Reigns on, on an episode of A-Town Down. So, that, that that's what I see here, beginning. 
with Austin Theory. Like now, now he's gonna get this. Like, oh, he's so good. Like I've seen it already on Twitter where people will tweet about his move set. You know, they'll tweet clips of him doing like fake wrestling moves and jumping up and down and flipping, and they're like, oh, this guy has a bag. This guy has an arsenal of moves. And I'm just like, bro, like, do you watch his segments? Did you watch the build up to his match with Cena? Did you see John Cena's face when Austin Theory said that he became a wrestler because of John Cena? John Cena was like, oh, man, look at that. I inspired this guy. Ooh. <laughs> oh, I, he's here because of me. Man, I got to take the blame for that one. Yeah. So I just don't understand why, um, why like, Theory, like, it doesn't, it doesn't even feel like Theory has been a workhorse. Like, he hasn't been on pay-per-views the last, like, four pay-per-views. I don't know. I don't get it. Kevin, I'll just quickly go off on this like a minute and then we'll we'll carry on with the SummerSlam preview. Just firstly, as you say, we're definitely gonna have like a segment. I, I'm gonna guess I'm, I'm gonna make a bold prediction on this this uh, show, pal. They're gonna call it Theory Time or something like that, which will be or Theory TV, and it'll be Austin Theory, as you say, just being the, the mid carder who shows up, he he punches in. He hasn't been injured, Kevin, in 2023, he punches in his time card, he comes to work. Great. I don't care. Okay. There needs to be a burden of performance for us to praise you. There needs to be a level of excellence, level of memorability with these matches. Kevin, those matches. So I think, what was the number? How many has he wrestled? Because I think 59 matches. 59. Okay. Off the top of my head, 2023 Austin Theory. I'm just, what I remember, the Cena match at WrestleMania that was like a WTF, like that ended like 10 minutes prematurely. He just beat Cena. What? There was that where, as you say, Cena just was like, oh my God, this guy's an embarrassment during the build. So there was that. That's that's one. I remember his match with Edge from, I don't know what Raw it was. That was, you know, decent. Edge got a good, sold a good match out. I think it was a Raw main event one week in like February, March, I think. So that, I like that. And then Austin Theory, his triple threat match against Bob Lashley and Bronson Reed, the tsunami from down under at Backlash, pal. I remember that. So that's three matches two of which were basically duds and one of which was a, a raw match versus edge. That's three of the 59 I can re- recall for you. The rest of which are just there, you know? And when you look at theory as well, yeah, you know, where to from here, Kevin, it's going to be what people on Twitter saying he shows up. He, he turns up to work. You need to respect him. No, I don't. There needs to be a burden of performance for me to, for you to earn my respect. It's the same thing with Miz. He shows up, for 15, 20 years and just works. You know, he comes to work. As I love the analogy you made about a month, two months ago with The Miz. He's the guy who works at Google. He's 64. He shows up. He punches in his time card. He sees the, the you know, clients. He logs into his computer. He does his job for the day, then he leaves. That's The Miz. Same thing's popping up here with Theory, Kevin. No doubt at this rate, he'll top the 2023 most matches wrestle list. Everyone will say, OMG, what a workhorse when hardly any of them have been entertaining, memorable, or worth watching. So no, I'm not going to praise him for showing up to work. Burden of performance. Give us something to talk about. Give us something memorable. Give us something we're going to lead off a late heat with. Give us something interesting, a promo, a match, something. But Theory hasn't given us any of that. Theory, no, Kevin, no. So that being said, anything else you want to say on Theory, Kevin, or do you want me to introduce a little bit I thought of? Yeah, please. So, Kevin, have you seen Wrestling Gifts' video titled Wrestling is Booming? Yes. Yeah. Great video. So, a lot of the the sentiments from that I'm going to make in this point. 
wrestling in 2023, Kevin, if you told me and painted the picture of where wrestling's at right now to Jimmy in 2019, 2020, 2021, I'd just be so thankful, so grateful. Because, Kevin, a lot of what my channel, the JTE channel, just generally, how that came to be was WWE sucks. It's like unwatchable in near enough every way outside of one, two, or three little segments overall each week. Here's my channel to tell you what wrestling could be. Double viewing nowadays, there's no need for me to really make videos with the what if I took over, what if blah, 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 because they're doing a, a good job of making it watchable. This being said, Kevin, I went back in the archives of Jimmy the Elitist, pal, back when I was the Elitist with no face cams, no nothing in 2020. I knuckled down and watched a bunch of my Raw and SmackDown reviews and a bunch of my rants. And Kevin, it was eye-opening. I was sitting here right at this desk, very this very desk right here, listening to 2020 Jimmy, this disgruntled 16 turning 17 year old going off on Bobby Lashley flipping tractor tires in an empty performance center. I was going off on all of these segments, Nijax botching and nearly killing Kyrie Sane. I was going off on all of it about how unwatchable Monday Night Raw was and Friday Night Smackdown was week to week. I was yelling about Bruce Pritchard. I was yelling about Bobby Lashley once again with the tires. I was yelling about dog food with Baron Corbin and Roman Reigns. And it was a real come to Jesus sort of moment. It was a come to realization moment. It really hit me, Kevin, how great what we get now is in comparison. Kevin, this bloodline era we're in at the moment in 2023, what we're getting, is it the greatest wrestling of all time? I mean, some would argue certain segments, certain wrestlers are the greatest at certain aspects, but on the whole, is it like an absolute full boom period just yet? Not quite. They're potentially getting there. They're making the, taking the right steps. But oh my God, Kevin, just to emphasize one more time how bad everything was in 2020. That was an era of Braun Strowman pouring, having slime poured on Kayla Braxton as the Miz and John Morrison are in a truck doing this like they're the lazy town villain pranking someone. That was the era we were in. So Kevin, I want to say 2023, as we transition to the SummerSlam review, yeah. I want to say thank you. Paul Levesque. Thank you, Nick Khan. Thank you, WWE. I want to say thank you for, for this great content you are giving us. We got to thank, thank you for Vince McMahon, too. Pal, thank you, Vince McMahon, pal. The the GOAT, pal. Yeah. Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Well, you know what we're thanking him for. track record in wrestling history. Go on. We're thanking Vince McMahon for writing those hush money, those sweet, sweet hush money checks and hiding it from the boards, pal. Hiding it behind the numbers and letting the, uh, the the federal government get involved and investigate him and get him out of there. So shout out to Vince McMahon for cutting those checks, pal. Because he easily, you know, could have just went to the bank, his personal bank, and got some money out of his personal bank and paid the lovely ladies that he was uh, hanging out with. But instead, he decided to use WWE's books, pal. So thank you, Vince McMahon. It's great stuff. And Kevin, with that wonderful introduction being said... Do you want to transition into the second biggest WWE pay-per-view of 2023? This is SummerSlam, damn it. <laughs> this is a big show. Kevin, yes. I'll throw it to you. Where do you want to start here? Do you want to give general overall opinions on hype levels or do you want to start with a certain match? Do you want to, what do you want to do, pal? The ball is in your court, pal. Talk to us. Right, I'm going to ask the audience. Elite viewers, what do you want to talk about? CM Punk! CM Punk! What do you guys want to talk about? All right, so yeah, with that being said, 
Let's talk about it. Cody Rose versus Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Lovely transition. Um, wow. I have some things too I want to say about about uh Raw later on, which we're mm-hmm. gonna get to. But yeah, let's talk about Cody versus Brock for the moment. Uh, this is Cody versus Brock part three. We've seen them wrestle three times. We're going to see them yep. wrestle three times on pay per view. And everybody's complaining and crying that there's no stipulation added to this match. It is what it is. I think it is a little bit odd that we're getting this personal storyline this time around. Brock Lesnar is just absolutely just destroying Cody Rose in front of his mother. His mother's in the front row. We got uh, Kevin Dunn doing shots of her crying as her son is getting destroyed by the alpha male of our species. And there's no no uh, stipulation. I find that to be intriguing. I don't know what you think about that. But, yeah, let me get your thoughts. Go ahead. Well, Kevin, I'm much more high on this match for SummerSlam than a lot of people are. Uh, I watched, you know, that great segment they did on Raw, that video package, that, like, four-minute feud in review sort of hype video. One of WWE's better ones of the year. That was very well put together. And just generally, that Cody and Brock segment, Brock beat up Cody one more time ahead of SummerSlam. My thoughts on this match is this. When I look at Cody Rhodes, Brock Lesnar, SummerSlam, no stipulation, I get a lot of feelings and a lot of flashbacks to Best vs. Beast, SummerSlam 2013. It has a lot of those elements to it. Obviously, Brock Lesnar's there. He's 50% of the equation. Cody is the babyface here. I think there's a recipe for this to really click and be something awesome. Now, this match all depends on, this is the big caveat here, it depends on how much time the match gets. Because their first two matches didn't get a whole hell of a lot of time. The first one was like seven minutes. The one with the bleeding at Backlash, which, I mean, that was a fun seven minutes. I'm not taking away from it, but it's the, sort of the structure of the match I'm talking about here. That was like seven, eight minutes. The match Night of Champions was like eight minutes, nine minutes, something like that. This match, Kevin, in all honesty, Cody, Brock, the final chapter, the third match, the SummerSlam, this needs to be 20 to 25. Just what they can do for this, if I'm producing this, have them sit down in a room, maybe not Brock, but have Cody just watch back best versus beast, CM Punk, Brock Lesnar, 2013, do a version of that match, 20, 25 minutes, awesome storytelling, emotion, and then have Cody go over at the end. Boom. There you go. You don't need a stipulation. Last year, we saw Brock Lesnar in the big over the top SummerSlam stipulation match. We saw every fun weapons spot under the sun last year with the Brock Lesnar SummerSlam match of the stipulation. We saw the ring get flipped up. We saw, you know, all the weapons under the sun, stairs and tables and flip the announce table and chairs. We saw that last year with Brock Lesnar and a crazy stipulation. That was awesome. Leave that, park that. My excitement level for this match for Cody and Brock is very high. If this is a 20, 25 minute best versus beast style match with Cody and Brock, as it should be, I cannot wait. And Kevin, one thing I will say, one more before I pass back to you. When we look at 2023, I think this will be one of the big storylines we look at if they do this really well at SummerSlam because you've got Cody who is like the hottest guy of 2023. This is like Cody's year from a overness, from a reaction standpoint versus Brock Lesnar, a guy who we rank roughly around number 10 all time, like a top tier all time guy. So this is all the makings for being a great SummerSlam match we reflect on years in advance positively. So that being said, Kevin, I'm pretty high on it. Talk to us. Give us your ruthless opinion on this match, pal. I'll be honest. I'm not really looking forward to it. I, okay. I don't see Brock versus Beast or Best versus Beast. I don't see that 
I look at this more of like Brock vs. Roman 2018 or Brock vs. Orton 2016. But really, this is really what I see this uh, being. I, I don't think they're done with this with this storyline. I, I think they're going to drag this out and get a Hell in a Cell match out of it. I, I think that's going to be the big match for Hell in a Cell, if they even still do Hell in a Cell pay-per-views. I don't know. We'll see if, if uh, that continues to be a thing. But I do think it's going to be Brock vs. Cody, Hell in a Cell. I, I think it just makes sense. Um, you know, they're, they're what? They're one apiece. You know, Cody won in interesting fashion, and Brock won. You know, you mentioned the bleeding and all that. So, I don't know. I don't think this is a definitive ending. I, I don't think it is. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen, how they're going to drag this out, but I feel like they're going to drag this out. I, I think this SummerSlam show, I'll let you go to a sec. I think this SummerSlam show is being built around really two other more important matches. I'd say the Roman and Jey Uso match, undisputed number one match. And then I think Logan Paul and Ricochet, you could argue, is the second most important match. They had the opening segment in, on Raw. You know, it is Logan Paul. It just feels like this match is taking a bit more of a backseat, which makes me weary and thinking that we're going to see a fourth match. You, you you don't think it's possible at all. You, you're you saying it's 100% no. You you don't, you don't think that, you know, in a, a six weeks' time, we're going to have Cody calling out Brock Lesnar for a Hell in a Cell match. No, it's not that I don't think we're going to see it. It's that, Kevin, I have a lot of sort of trepidation for Cody post-SummerSlam. And he, let, let me explain why. Obviously, ever since Cody was screwed at WrestleMania and the whole thing became clear that they're going to try and get him through to probably WrestleMania 40 to probably win the title, get him through a whole year, it became, how do they do that? And they've done a Brock Lesnar feud for four months since WrestleMania, which on the whole has been entertaining, serviceable, pretty good at points, fun well, at had, Well, we have the one month of Dominic in there. That too, that too, yep. But my point being here... After SummerSlam, what's the sort of direction with Cody? And what you're saying there, I could see it. I could see them stretch, squeezing another six to eight weeks of juice out of this, trying their best to get Cody through as much of 2023 as possible before he gets the next WrestleMania season, where you can really, you know, get the wheels going again and you can have him in the Royal Rumble and he can be runner-up to Gunther and then he can win the Elimination Chamber and take on Roma. I can see that. I can see them. But for now, Kevin, for the time being, for the remainder of 2023, what does Cody do? What, what are Cody's options? This is your top baby face. Either you continue the Brock feud or a fourth match, a fifth match, a hell in a cell, uh, whatever stipulation match, you, you stretch it out, which is really risky, and you, you, you risk just diluting that all together. Or you have maybe Randy Orton come back and you do Cody Orton, potentially. Or the worst case scenario, which I've seen pitched, if they do this, I'm boycotting the Cody Rhodes bandwagon. If it's uh. Cody Rhodes and Bray Wyatt, I'm done. <laughs> if, if, if Cody lost the WrestleMania just to have the story go on, because as Paul Levesque said in the post-match press conference at WrestleMania, WWE is an ever-ending storybook, and that, that storybook means post-SummerSlam, it's Cody versus Wyndham Rotunda. No, if that's where they're going. But Kevin, to answer the question, I want this to be a definitive final third match, but because they're doing Reigns versus Jey Uso 3, and because of how much spotlight they're giving Ricochet and Logan Paul, as you mentioned, Maybe this does continue. Maybe it does. Maybe that's a great point. Maybe we'll look back on this in three weeks, Kevin, going, damn, Kevin was bang on on that. And I hope you're wrong. I hope this is a definitive final match for them. 
but there's no stipulation. There's like three three days, four days from the actual match. So maybe they do it. Maybe they do a hell in a cell in six weeks. This is perfect. This leads me into the point I wanted to make about Raw. And this is why I'll elaborate, give you some more context, why I think that this Cody Brock match is going to take a, a bit of a, a sideline. So I watched Raw. I watched two and a half, maybe two hours and 35 minutes of Raw. I missed the, the last match, the tag team main, t- not tag team title, but the tag team main event. Um, and the big focal points of the show was, okay, they opened the show with Logan Paul in the ring and, and calling out Ricochet. He set the whole line. Did you see what he said about Samantha Irvin? Yep. Yeah, yep. it's like, oh, you're gonna have your girl announcing my name as the winner, bro. <laughs> it's like, so that's a big, you know, social yeah. media moment. And then I thought it was interesting that Cody comes out at like 8:50 Eastern, so it's like they're just throwing Cody out there randomly, just like, yeah, hey, go out there, Cody, go talk. Whoa. Then Brock beats his ass. But really, what was spotlighted on this show more than anything was Ronda Rousey versus Shayna Baszler. Yep. They were giving this match the spotlight. I think it had like four. I think I counted four segments. You had an interview with Shayna, interview with Ronda, and they were kind of chopping it up and breaking it down into segments, telling their whole story. And me, personally, I'm invested. I think they've done a great job with it. I want to see the match. You had Ronda Rousey crying. You had Shayna Baszler crying, talking about their friendship and how much they mean to each other and all the controversies, like the little personal conflicts between the two. I thought it was really good. Uh, it's something that they couldn't do in MMA. Obviously, both girls are past their prime. That's a real sport. But they could do it here in, in an entertainment standpoint and bring some of that real-life mix into it. I'm a fan of real-life storylines, so I like that. Um, and then on top of that, the Judgment Day. Those are the three focal points of Raw. Logan Paul, Shayna Baszler, Ronda Rousey, and the Judgment Day. Cody and Brock kind of lost in the shuffle, as weird as that is to say. Isn't that isn't that weird? Kevin, it's not surprising to me that Triple H favorites, Finn Balor, Shayna Baszler, and Ricochet are being positioned above Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar in, in the sort of pecking order of Raw. Uh, so well, it's, it's not favoritism. It's so they can headline Hell in a Cell. They're going to be the main focal point when Roman Reigns is gone. We're going to talk about that. When Roman Reigns is off and doing Hollywood auditions with his cousin. Good. Cody and Brock! Oh my, am I, am I in a bizarre world? Like, yes. I, I get it, they've been feuding for a few months. I understand. This is the go-home show to SummerSlam. You want to try and get some other stuff, some hype, I get it. But Kevin, as I alluded, this should be the best versus the beast. This should be like your big top face of 2023 versus one of your absolute all-time greats. A big third battle at SummerSlam. And as you say, Cody comes out late 50. The segment was entertaining, as they all are, yeah. with Cody and Brock and all that. It's not to take away from the segment, but it's the positioning. I understand if you're trying to give some shine to other stuff, but F's sake, this is Cody and Brock. Come on. And if they're just going to go down that rabbit hole of, let's say for a prediction, Kevin, for this portion of the SummerSlam preview, I don't know, Cody gets another sketchy win or Brock wins in BS fashion with a referee or there's bleeding or there's a roll-up pin that something. If there's like a finish like that and it continues, I mean... Then what? You know, okay, hell in a cell in six weeks. Great. By that point, the feud's gone to five, six months. And then you're, then for me at least, I'm like, okay, when does this end? This is becoming like Brock and Roman at that point. If they just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. Yeah, that, that's dangerous. That, that's dangerous. And Kevin, I really hope they don't do like a Brock and Roman SummerSlam 2018. 
That would be a disaster for this. This just this needs to be a 2013 Brock Punk match. This shouldn't be a Brock and Roman 2018 where, oh look, look, it's Cody's dog at ringside. Brock's distracted by Cody's dog pal. Then Cody Rhodes rolls up the beast. <laughs> One, two, three. Adrenaline in my soul. Paul Levesque is out of control. You know, do it all to get screwed by Roman Reigns. Whoa. Like, if that's where they're going with it, then <laughs> stuff me, Kevin. Why do I bother? But, you know, there you go, pal. That's the prediction. If Cody's dog distracts Brock Lesnar and causes the match to be decided, I deserve immense payment from our listeners. There you go, pal. Uh, I, I think go. we get a no finish. Uh, that's, oh, my, that's my prediction. I, I think we get something like literally like no joke, no exaggeration. Somebody from Cody's family is going to be front row. Brock's going to be beating his ass, taunting whoever's front row. Maybe they could pluck Dustin from AEW, whoever it is. It'll be somebody like, oh, this is his cousin that he wrestled with in high school. This is Cody's cousin. Brock's going to be beating Cody's ass, talking shit to the cousin, and then Cody's going to grab a chair and then get disqualified. And then uh, everything you want, the best versus beast, all that, the big build that'll happen at Hell in the Cell or Saudi Arabia, whatever they decide to do. <laughs> they'll get a you know the, the, whatever pay-per-view whether it's the next one or the one after or the one after that some pay-per-view between the next three between now to survivor series one of those is going to be built around cody versus brock oh and, and they're gonna do a hell in a cell match in saudi arabia i say it now i say it now they're gonna stretch this <laughs> out another two months kevin i say it it's become clear to me yeah that, that they're gonna do that they're gonna have the Rhodes family ringside at SummerSlam. they're gonna have to be crying Cody's like fourth grade sparring buddy you went to school with is going to jump the barricade and start like shimmying at Brock Lesnar. And this all-time great combat athlete will like stand there and brick himself. And Cody will, you know, there'll be a referee knocked over and they'll be bleeding. Kevin, the only non-finish I'm okay with is if Randy Orton comes down and just mercilessly beats up everyone and it's just a no-finish. That's the only one that could lead to something more interesting in the long term. Elsewhere, Kevin, if it's QT Marshall's second cousin's brother <laughs> shimmying at Brock Lesnar and then Cody's dog, Pharaoh, comes out and Brock Lesnar's like, oh, my God, a dog, and loses. If they go down that rabbit hole, I'm, I'm done. I'm off the Cody Rhodes bandwagon. So, Kevin, this is a make-or-break match in my fandom for Cody Rhodes, Kevin. This decides whether I buy another piece of Cody merch or not, pal. And yeah, we'll pick this conversation up come Hell in a Cell when Cody versus Brock is headlining the Hell in a Cell PLE in Saudi Arabia. So, you know, WWE can meet their obligations to the Saudi Arabia contract and collect that sweet, sweet Saudi money. All right, moving on. Now, I, I already touched on Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. Let's talk yes. about that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I think this is the swan song for Ronda Rousey. I don't, I don't know if she's coming back to WWE after this. And if it's her final match, she's going to go out with a bang. You know, I don't know what this is going to be like. It's an MMA rules match. So mm-hmm. my mind jumps to Kurt Angle versus Samoa Joe from TNA back in the day. You get like an octagon style ring. Uh, you know the the girls are out there with their gloves. There's shoot punches involved. Somebody shoot busted open. You know a lot of shooting going on, pal, in this match. <laughs> what do you think about this uh, potential MMA classic or MMA rules Ooh. classic? You sound more interested in hype for it than I am. I'll put it that way. Uh, I watched the Raw segments and I've been following what they've been doing with this. It's just the timing. That was my big takeaway watching it. It's because this is August 2023. Ronda Rousey's been bashed and trashed and dragged through the mud by everyone online and all wrestling fans. She's gotten to the point of go away hate. Now she's, you know, just sort of there. 
So as you say, it's probably her swan song realistically, because where she goes from here, who knows? She's had a women's title run. She's had, you know, the run in 2018, 19. She's had the women's tag title run. But my general stance is this is about a year, two years, three years, four years too late. I don't know. Ronda Rousey's just not the same to me. Ronda Rousey, after her women's title run last year and everything that encompassed that, I got to the point where I'm just like, I don't care. And as good as this has been with the build and 100%, those like interview sort of segments they were doing were really good. Like if that happened in late, you know, mid-2019 or that happened in, you know, early 2022 at the start of Ronda Rousey's title run, like this is SummerSlam 2022 and they were doing this, you know, like three months into Ronda Rousey's title run, Shayna Baszler fighting the good fight against this asshole Ronda Rousey everyone hates. It'd probably be awesome, but a year later, it's just not the same, which this is why you should pull the trigger on Cody when the timing is right, because then it can get to this point. But, you know, timing's not here. I don't feel it. I'm not I'm not as invested with this as what? I should be because of, of the timing. So there you go. In- intriguing. Um, comparing Cody Rhodes to Ronda Rousey. Interesting. I'm comparing the timing, Kevin. You can't wait a year and expect it to be as good. It just won't be. There you go. So carry on. Your thoughts, your MMA-style rules. Match should be fun. I don't doubt it'll be a, a fun match. Probably some crying involved, some shoot MMA moves. Who wins, pal? Shayna, you reckon? Yeah, I think Shayna wins. You know, Ronda Rousey goes out looking out the light. Looking at the lights, pal. Puts over Shayna Baszler. Then we get that Shayna Baszler uh, women's title run that we know Triple H wants to book. So I anticipate after, in the near future after this, she's probably going to set her sights on Asuka. We'll say just to throw Asuka out there, and mm-hmm. she'll uh, she'll shoot attack Asuka at one point backstage during SmackDown, and then she'll be champion at the next PLE or in Saudi Arabia on the undercard of Brock vs Cody, and we'll get a ten month long Shayna Baszler WWE Women's Championship run that Paul Levesque is dreaming about while slaying next to his wife. Now moving on, <laughs> but, but let's talk about Asuka, Charlotte Flair, and Bianca Belair. Might as well. Why not? Yep. Charlotte Flair just loves being inserted into triple threat matches in SummerSlam and killing the momentum of the opponents. You know, Bianca Belair literally doesn't even feel like she was the biggest star in in the women's wrestling world four months ago. Uh, would you believe me if, if I told you that Asuka's been champion for five months? It doesn't feel like it either. This whole triple threat match, just like, I'm the queen, I'm here, I'm wrestling royalty, I'm better than both you guys, cool. Um, I I have a take on this that I'm not going to say that I'll tell you off air, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say it on air, but it's it's an interesting one, remind me. So yeah, continue. Well, Kevin, I'm going to ask you, because you watched Raw in its entirety, for the most part, outside of the bit where you tapped out at about 10.40 because you had work the next day. But you're watching Raw. I want to ask you because this is the match I'm least invested in. Same. On, on the show. This is the match I care least about. This is just, as usual, as has been the case the last couple of years on the whole, outside of the Bianca Becky stuff and a couple of other women's feuds, for the most part, it's sort of just been the Charlotte Flair match, the Raw Women's title match, the Oscar match, just sort of there to me. I, I'm ne- I've never really been that invested in these matches outside of when it's Becky versus Belair. So this being said, Kevin, you watched Raw. You were gripped for its entirety. What was the sort of presentation of this? Where was this, in your opinion, in the pecking order? How did they really build this? Was it really just Charlotte Flair saying she's the queen and I'm having a match at SummerSlam? Was it really that or like uh, where are they at? Isn't Rhea Ripley the, the women's, the Raw champion? 
I don't think they were on the show. They weren't on Raw. I don't remember. It was Becky Lynch and Trish and the Shayna Ronda stuff, and then Rhea, Rhea Ripley got jumped by somebody. I can't remember. I think Raquel jumped her or something. Yeah. Uh, no, they were yeah. generally like, I mean, just generally with this yeah, yeah. build, because the oh, question yeah, yeah. being more so, yeah, okay, yeah, Rhea's the Raw Women's Champion yeah. who, that, you know, she, she stands the Judgment Day and calls, you know, uh, Dom, yeah. Dirty Dom. Cool. Right. They had but like a tag to... team match on SmackDown, I think it was. That was like, oh, okay, it's Asuka and Charlotte. They're going to try to coexist or something like that. Asuka and Bianca Belair yeah. trying to coexist. The buddy cop thing that we see all the time. Um, yeah, no, no real promotion for this. It's just there. You know, and that kind of brings me to a point that I want to make about this show in general. Like, people are hyping this up, saying that this is like, oh, this is the best pay-per-view of the Paul Levesque booking era on paper. This is it. This is number one. I don't, I don't see it, you know? We got the shoehorn triple threat match that nobody's asking for. Another Charlotte Flair shoehorn triple threat world, women's world, heavyweight, women's title, whatever you want to call it. And then we got a rematch with Cody Brock for a third time. We got Rollins and Fergal seven years too late part two on top of that and then you got logan paul and ricochet like logan paul's fighting an enhancement talent a guy that got beat up by brock lesnar in what 17 seconds in saudi arabia to collect that sweet sweet blood saudi money yep and then you've got ronda rousey for Shayna baszler which is like okay yeah like you said five years too late then you have a battle royal that really the only two matches that I'm into is Gunther versus McIntyre and Roman versus Roman versus Jey Uso. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to call you on this. What sort of did not did you want to say? But like, obviously, I understand. You have the third meeting of Cody and Brock, Rollins and Balor's rematch. What would be the matches, the alternatives, in your opinion, just off the top of your head? Free ball question here. You're looking at the SummerSlam card as is, and you're not super like into it. You're not really like, oh my god, I need to see like everything on this show. It's being a bit overhyped is what you're saying here. Is there any matches or anything they could have done instead that you would have been like, yeah, okay, that, that fixes it? Or... Well, I don't know. What, what what can you do with... Well, I mean, you could have done Logan Paul versus Cody. Just a fresh matchup. One that we haven't seen. You know, I understand why they want to do Logan versus Ricochet. It's, it's an mm-hmm. in- interesting match. And it's going to be good. Like, that's going to be a spectacle. Like, I get it. But that's just not for me, personally. I'm not into that style of wrestling, I guess. Um... But, I mean, other than that, like, I wanted to see Becky and Trish on the card. Why not Rhea Ripley? Why is Rhea Ripley not defending her championship? Like, why not Charlotte Flair versus Asuka one-on-one and Rhea versus Bianca? Or something like that. You know? Well, I'll just say on that, like, that closing on the the women's title match with Asuka, Charlotte, and Bianca before we move on, that's what I'd call in in just wrestling. It's a cold match. There's no real hate there. There's nothing that's really getting us wanting to say it. Most of the audience is just sort of like, okay, that match is happening. And that's been the case with either, I mean, it was the Raw Women's title formerly, but now it's a SmackDown Women's title. It's really whatever title Charlotte Flair's consistently involved in, whatever one Asuka's involved in, in the 2020s, it's just sort of like, oh, it's happening. I mean, the match won't be a dud, but it's not, not exactly a match you're desperate to see, generally, so... Yeah, it'll happen. Hopefully, it doesn't go too long. This is the other thing. Hopefully, this match gets maybe 10, 12 minutes and get him out of there. This doesn't need to be 20. Paul, you Paul Levesque, you listen to this, just 10, 12, cut it short. Give like 55 minutes of TV time to the or pay-per-view time to the, the tribal match in the main event. Give, you know, 25 in-ring minutes to Cody and Brock, please. Paul, please. Thank you. You know, like, 
uh, it depends how they structure the show. But Kevin, that being said, unless there's anything else you want to say about Charlotte Flair trying to win a 15th women's title, we can move on, pal. That's okay. Yeah, I think Oscar's going to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I'd agree. Uh, unless they have Belair win again, but it doesn't seem like they're going to. It doesn't seem like it from where they're going. Kevin, I want to ask you about this, okay? You allude to it. This match, it's Logan Paul versus Enhancement Talent, Ricochet. It got the opening segment to Raw. I love that line and the whole presentation of Logan Paul. I love the, like, the, like, the aesthetic of Logan with like, the black singlet top. He's got the cap backwards. You know, it, he's just like, it, it's a cool presentation for a wrestler. He's got, you know, he's got the muscles hanging out. He's doing his big promo, going about how, you know, I mean, we had a viral social media spot. Here it is. Let's play the clip. Uh, yo, there you go. Is that your girl? The ring announcer right there, Smith Owen. I'm going to have my match end with me beating you and your girl's going to announce me as the winner. And, you know, and, and Ricochet is just like, oh my God, is that a memorable line in a promo? I've never done one of those. That's what Ricochet was probably thinking. So I look at this, they did the brawl, you know, cool. And it sets us up for this match, Kevin. So this, I don't know if they've announced it, but this should open the show, I imagine. Like, there's no better way to open a show than this. Uh, this is going to be, a, I don't know how long it goes, maybe eight to 10 minutes. Keep it fun, keep it short, keep it quick. Uh, same as like a Kurt Angle Rain Serio from Some Samo 2. Don't need to go too long. Have it be get in there, high impact, high octane action, get out. Uh, I think it should be fun. I look forward to it. Should be good, should be entertaining. I assume Logan Paul wins, Kevin. I'll throw to you in a moment with your ruthless analysis of this, but. If Ricochet wins this match, I mean, God, where does WWE go from there, pal? You, you reckon Nick Khan brings Logan Paul into WWE for him to lose to Ricochet? I don't know, but yeah, pal, your thoughts. Yeah, Logan Paul's definitely going to win. I don't see Ricochet winning. Um, knowing that, that Logan Paul's going to win, it makes that line even more um, more interesting <laughs> that, that they decided to go with that line with Samantha Irvin. Um, yeah, but just controversy. You know, it works. Controversy creates cash, pal. As the great Eric Bischoff would once say. Yes. Yeah, I think this is going to be a good, like you said, 10, 12-minute match. It'll be a fine match. You know, it'll be one that we look back at five years. We're like, oh, okay, that was a good opening match. Solid. Not bad. Probably one that we'll re- uh, we will re-watch. But other than that, not really much to it. It's a good way to get Logan Paul on the card. And we've seen Logan Paul and Ricochet already do some fun stuff together at the Royal Rumble and et cetera, at Money in the Bank and so on and so forth. Now we're going to get them in a ring. And this is like the closest that we could get to Logan Paul and, I mean, not Logan Paul, to Ricochet versus Will Ospreay. And some of those great indie matches that those two guys had. And we're actually getting like a, it's going to be like a New Japan style match, for lack of a better phrase, on, on a WWE PLE. Yeah, no, it should be good. Should be good. Um, and yeah, I've nothing really else to say about that. Should be fun. Uh, Kevin, do you want to move on to this match? This is a match, Kevin. This is seven years in the making. Oh, God. This is Seth freaking Rollins. As we've discussed, the guy who's failed twice as world champion, Seth freaking Rollins on his third world title run against Triple H's favorite wrestler, a guy who Triple H loves to shoehorn into spots he shouldn't be in, Fergal Finn Balor Devitt. Kevin, they're having this match here. They had the match of Money in the Bank. It was okay, like 12, 13 minute world title match. Rollins retained, sort of felt there. This match, I'd imagine it would get more time. I'd imagine they're going to have this match try and be like a show still a 20-minute match, I would assume, because Triple H is riding the show. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? What are your honest opinions? Where's your excitement level at for this match? Do you want to see Fergal 
reclaim the title he deserved to win a month into his debut when no one knew him in 2016? Or do you want to see Fergal lose the Judgment Day, further their friction or further an angle, and Seth freaking Rollins carry on his third world title run? Kevin, talk to us. Lovely. I like the way you worded that question. Uh, really, the only thing I want to say about this, um, I think it's going to be like a, a storytelling type match. I think we're going to have Damian Priest out there. He's a cash-in. You know, we're going to see the implosion of the Judgment Day. We, we did see on Raw the the final segment of the show was, uh, you know, Finn Balor handing Damian Priest a briefcase, which I think was silly. I was watching that. I watched that segment back, and, like, why is Damian Priest demanding Finn Balor bring him his briefcase? Why doesn't he just step out of the ring and go get it himself, you know? But Fergal grabs the briefcase, and he's like, do I hand it to him? Do I not? I don't know. It's just, okay, cool. It's there. Um, but I think we'll see more of that stuff. I, I don't think this is going to be like a show-stealing match. I don't know. Maybe. It wouldn't surprise me since Triple H, as you said, Triple H is writing the show. But yeah. I, don't, I don't know where they're going to fit all these matches in. If this is like a three-and-a-half-hour, three-hour, 45-minute show, and you're shoehorning already an hour for Roman and Jay, uh, you know, that something's got to give. Not every match can get all that time, so... Who knows? It'll be interesting to see how this match plays out, but I, I think it's just going to be centered around Damian Priest's uh, cash-in, whether he's going to do it or not. I do assume that he's going to cost Finn Balor the match, and we'll see maybe not an immediate split-up of the Judgment Day, but we'll start to see Damian Priest versus Finn Balor, that storyline play out and come to fruition. Yeah, no, I fully agree. And one more thing, just as I mentioned, like the Triple H guys, like, you know, to me, the, the, there are three kind of polar you know, opposite examples. Like, you look at the Vince McMahon guys, Kevin. Guys Vince McMahon was infatuated with. Baron Corbin, Lacey Evans. Like, they're sort of, like, the main ones off the top of my head I can think of, like those ones. Then, on the contrary, you got Triple H. It's Finn Balor. It's, Nakamura. you know... Nakamura, yeah. I mean, Bronson Reed. Gunther. Even Sorry? Gunther. I mean, Gunther, yeah. I mean, Gunther's actually good, in fairness. But you look at, you know, some of these other guys... Each, each of these like lead head of creative guys has their favorite. So Finn Balor is one of those, and that's what he will always be to me. Unless they they evolve him somehow, this is objectively his like best version of his character on the main roster. This Judgment Day thing, it's given him more of a purpose beyond my shoulder popped out and I deserve a title. It's a bit more than that with this element, but at the same time, Kevin, it waits to be seen. One more thing on this before we move on, make a prediction now, Kevin. Crown Jewel or whatever show they do in two months in Saudi Arabia, three months. What do you think the World Heavyweight Title match is going to be? Who who do you think will be stepping in the in between those ropes in in, in Jeddah in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, to compete for the World Title? Is it going to be Balor? Is it going to be Priest? Is it going to be Rollins? Uh, what do you think is going to be? I'm going to make a bold prediction, pal. Yep, it's going to be another Triple H guy challenging Seth Rollins for the World Heavyweight Championship. Another Triple H favorite. It's going to be Seth Rollins. Versus Johnny Gargano in front of the Saudi prince. The Saudi prince would be like, uh, I'm, I'm not going to do a Saudi accent, but basically he's just going to say, you know, like, like where's Goldberg? Where's Yokozuna? Yokozuna. Oh, my God. All right, pal, let's talk about Gunther versus Drew McIntyre. Uh, yes. not, I think you should talk about this one. Yes, uh, this will be match of the night uh, up until the main event, I think. Uh, I think the emotion and drama of the main event, as we'll get to, will steal the show. But I think this match, what it'll be, this will be 15 minutes, maybe 12 to 15 minutes. 
similar to WrestleMania. We, we sort of had the blueprint of what this will look like at WrestleMania, which also involves Sheamus. Just an absolute hell for leather like fight. A match which you could show anyone who, even if they're not a wrestling fan, you show them this and go, yeah, I mean, you say wrestling's fake, say wrestling's silly, you don't really care for wrestling. Watch this and tell me it's a joke. And you'll see Drew McIntyre ripping Gunther with a chop that'll leave a welt. And Gunther will be like, bitch, please. And like slap McIntyre and his chest will turn purple. And then they're going to be, you know, throwing each other and they're going to be hitting all these moves. And Gunther will be, you know, talking his trash during the match. And Drew will have his comeback. And Drew will do his big over the top rope dive onto Gunther. Gunther will get up and just chop him and all this sort of stuff. It's going to be phenomenal. This is going to be an awesome... I, I call these matches breathtaking in the sense of you see the chops and you go, ah, ah. <laughs> it's like, ah, you know, and I'm on the other side of the world, Kevin. I'm not in Detroit watching this match live. Like being ringside for a match like this is one where you'd go, oh my God, when you're, you're five meters, you're 10 meters, you're 15 meters away, you're a number of feet away from literal, just like painstaking, hardcore violence ensuing with these two six foot five, European warriors going to battle Kevin. These, Kevin, this is a war, pal. This this is like a Scottish gladiator like William Wallace going into battle against a, a diehard six foot four Austrian pal at SummerSlam. This is going to be awesome. I can't wait for it. I think Drew should win the title here. I guess, once again, the only reason Gunther would retain would be same reason Roman Reigns retained at WrestleMania because of the number. Oh, how many days is Gunther going to overtake the longest run of the IC title ever? You know, going to stat pad Gunther's IC title run days. I guess that's the only reason he needs to retain because Drew McIntyre should be winning this match. It's SummerSlam. It's Drew McIntyre. Drew's been an established main event wrestler. This is the guy to lose it to. If not Drew now, who's going to lose the title to? Because the only alternative, Kevin, if Gunther retains is Gunther just never loses the IC title. He walks into next WrestleMania after winning the Royal Rumble and beats Seth Rollins and holds both titles. That's the only alternative. Because if it's not Drew at SummerSlam, he's not losing it. So there you have it, pal. It's my ruthless, brutally honest, cold-blooded, savage analysis of a Scottish gladiator against an Austrian powerhouse. What are your thoughts, pal? Well, you kind of stole the show on that one. Uh, I don't even know what to add to that. I, I couldn't agree more about the, the Drew McIntyre take. Drew McIntyre should win the Intercontinental Championship. If he's not going to be in the main event scene, if Triple H doesn't view him the same way that Vince McMahon did, then th- I don't know what we're doing here at this point. Just let him run wild around the mid-card, promote Gunther, have Gunther you know, start making his run, his trek towards the World Heavyweight or the Universal Championship. Hey. WrestleMania 40, Roman vs. Gunther. Has a nice ring to it. I wouldn't mind it, pal. I'm just saying. Gunther wins that Universal Championship. We have an Australian powerhouse as the face of WWE. Hey, I'm, I'm with it. But now, what I want to say about this match, though, it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be hard-hitting. It's going to be just like a match's match, for lack of a better term. It's going to be a match that will maybe not inspire a generation. I wouldn't say that. But it's going to be one that we're going to be talking about for years to come, I feel like. I feel like this is going to be the defining match, the defining moment of Gunther's Intercontinental title reign. We're just saying something. Cause that WrestleMania match is one of the, the great WrestleMania matches of the modern era they had this year. So that's saying quite a bit. Uh, one more thing I will say, just on this, I mean, the match is going to be incredible. It's going to be like a, it's going to be a moment in itself. 
this match is going to be a really memorable match. But beyond that, Drew McIntyre needs the wings. Drew McIntyre needs a SummerSlam moment. This is one of the like the big stars of this era of the last five sort of years, especially. What SummerSlam moments has he had? You know, like he had a match against Randy Orton in an empty building in 2020. That was his big one. Elsewhere, he had a match in 2021 against Jinder Mahal, where the storyline was that he was playing with swords in the Ganges against Drew Mac- uh, against Jinder Mahal, and then he wasn't at SummerSlam last year that mm-hmm. I can remember. So Drew McIntyre needs a moment here. Gunther, he's been well and truly made here. A loss after like a third Claymore kick after a brutal match will not ruin Gunther. It's like Triple H is just terrified to have these long-reigning wrestlers lose matches. It'll do wonders for him. Gunther will take, you know, they'll take no hit from losing this match to a great of the modern era, like Drew Galloway, pal. Drew Galloway, a Scottish gladiator, hitting a third vicious Claymore kick. Him standing in the corner after this fight. One, two, three, Claymore, pal. One, two, three, IC champion. God love it, pal. Drew with the IC title, the sword, fireworks going off. Detroit erupting, pal. The, the Detroit fans haven't gone off like this since the bad boy Pistons in the late 80s when Bill Lambeer would clothesline Scotty Pippen out of midair and try and end his career, pal. <laughs> this is wrestling, pal. We forgot about the 04 Pistons, pal. Pal, the 04 Pistons didn't have the same spice that the bad boys had, pal. Come on now. Uh, Come on. Uh, there you go. Interesting. I love that. Thank you for bringing the uh, the, the sports reference into this. I love yep. that. Um, yep. It's appropriate because the Lions have sucked for so long and the Tigers are not very good either. So good thing you brought well, up the Well, neither the Mets and you don't complain about oh, that. Oh, whoa, whoa. We're talking about Detroit teams, pal. No need to bring the Mets into this, pal. <laughs> so yeah, so McIntyre versus Gunther, like, like I was saying, um, I think it could be a, a era-defining match. When we look back at Gunther's Intercontinental title reign, this could be the one. You know, this could be a five, five point five, six star match. If if it was an AEW, of course, it'd be a five and a half, six star match. Um mm-hmm. just because, you know, Tony Khan didn't write Gunther versus McIntyre on a piece of paper automatically sets a ceiling at five stars for this match, according yeah. to Dave Meltzer, but I digress. Now, Cal, are you ready to talk about one more thing, one more thing on that. If this match, whatever style, if, I think this would be like a four and a half, five star match. Whatever rating, rating it gets in the subjective match rating sphere of the wrestling community, add on an extra star. Just because if these guys were Japanese, if this was in the Tokyo Dome, if this was in AEW, it would get that extra star. So keep that same energy for your match ratings. If this is five stars, it's six stars. So that being said, Kevin, over to you. Yes, sir. There you go. It's time to talk about the main event. Tribal Combat. Jey Uso is challenging Roman Reigns for not only the WWE Universal Championship, he's also challenging his cousin, Roman Reigns, for the, the Tribal Chief spot. I really liked the promo from last, uh, last Friday. You know what's funny? When Roman buries a guy like Jey Uso on the mic, the crowd cheers and cheers and cheers for Jey Uso. But when Roman did the same thing to McIntyre three years ago, nobody took McIntyre serious anymore after that. Like, like, Roman told, he, he's literally laughing at Jay, like, ha, you think you could beat the tribal chief, ha, 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 you know, and all this. And then Jay Uso clotheslines him, and, like, the, the building's erupting, Jay Uso's, like, getting 1998 Stone Cold Steve Austin pops, getting the Road Warrior pop. 
so it's, it's interesting it's just funny how the dynamic works I, I was just thinking about that when i was watching the segment um but nevertheless i thought it was great roman antagonizing him and i don't know if you noticed it did you watch the segment from last week yes did, did you notice did when you both know? guys broke when, when like, jay was like i beat you <laughs> and he started laughing and roman's yeah. laughing it's like come on guys be serious here but yeah that, that's what All makes right. this so good they're having fun. You can see they're having fun with it. No, 100%. And yeah, I love that you bring that up. It's, it's just like, you know, they, they know this is just great stuff. They know that whatever they do, everyone's going to call cinema. And they're just, you know, when Jay Uso delivers that line, he's like, yeah, and Roman's like, I'm actually thinking you made the child Jay. You're a nobody. You're a bum. Who are you? You're my right-hand man, but nothing got replaced. Now Solo is. Like, what are you? Like, what's your role? You have no role. You're disowned by the family. Who are you? You, you, you're, you suck. You're a bum. Like, Roman's just, like, trashing him for, like, five, ten minutes. And Jey Uso's like, I'll beat you already. I'm going to beat you again. And Roman's like, <laughs> you know, it reminds me of some of the great segments with, you know, guys like Batista could do this. Guys who, it would be simple. They wouldn't have to cut long-winded promos. It'd just be short, effective delivery, really good lines. And you go, oh, damn, that, that, that's a W. Like, that's a, like Jey Uso won that segment even after being trashed for, like, six minutes. Like, it's great how that, that works out because, you know, everyone just wants to see Roman, I guess, have someone stand up to him, which is the whole point of the storyline. So, really good. Kevin, I will say in this match, this is going to be fantastic. This is just like most of these Bloodline and Roman Reigns matches in the past three years. You know who's going to win, but you can't wait to see it. You can't wait to see what sort of stuff they're going to unfold here. What's going to happen with Solo Sokoa? Is Heyman going to do anything? Is he going to influence the ending of the match? Is Jimmy Uso going to get involved? Is Jimmy Uso going to cost Jay Uso? Is Jay going to do something that affects Solo? Is Solo going to cost Jay or is Solo going to cost Roman? Or are they going to tease Solo costing Roman? Or isn't a new Samoan going to enter the fray here? Is like they're going to be a new debut. That well and truly could be Kevin. Jacob Fartu could run out here, pal. Who knows? Who knows where they're going to go with this? There's so many different avenues. The story just continues to unfold with this. Uh, will Jay Uso become the tribal chief? No. Are they going to have a couple of near falls where you think he really is going to be the tribal chief? Yes. Is the match going to be probably the most you know notable talking point match of the night? No doubt. No doubt. There's going to be so much coming out of this. I look forward to the 10-minute the post-match cinema they give us, Kevin, where Roman's won the match. He's, he's you know, in a pool of his own tears. He locks in the guillotine. He's sobbing. We get camera shots of Joanna Y, hair everywhere, drenched in sweat, tribal tattoos everywhere. Like, you made me do this, Oos! You made me do this! It's like, Jey Uso just, like, passes out, you know? It's going to be great. Um, and the one spot I want them to, to use, as we mentioned, like, two weeks ago in Elite Heat, can they do, please do the spot they used from, like, the 2017 Hell in a Cell with the New Day and the Usos? Have, like, Jimmy Uso handcuffed or something on the turnbuckles. He's helpless. And then Roman Reigns is just, like, decimating Jey Uso when the referee's down with, like, a chair or something. Do something like that. Have Jimmy Uso sobbing. Have Paul Heyman like laughing and, you know, and like just so much room for potential here, Pat Kevin. That's my sort of initial breakdown. I'm going to pass the baton back to you, pal. Any more thoughts? How excited are you for this match? Is this the most legacy defining match in the history of SummerSlam, pal? How does this match make you feel? Kevin, when you wake up in the morning, does this match, is this the first thing on your mind, pal? That's a bit strong, but <laughs> yes, wow. <laughs> the first thing on my mind. I love that. Um, no, this is a great match. This is going to be uh, not a great match. It's going to be a great match. 
um, if you would have told me in 2017 that Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso was going to headline a SummerSlam pay-per-view six years into the future, I would have laughed. I would have absolutely laughed my balls off. That would have been the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. Now, I have a lot to say about this, so I'm going to answer your question first, and then I'm going to go on a tangent. So, to break down this match critically, we have Roman versus Jay. In-ring-wise, we know what to expect from these guys. We know it's going to be good. And this is the third time that they've wrestled one-on-one. And they've managed to create a whole different story. They went there. They upped the ante. You got the tribal chief position on the line. You got the universal championship, the mustard gold belt on the line. You got Solo Sokoa out there. You got Paul Heyman. I assume Jimmy Uso would be there. It'll show up at some point. In-ring, it's going to be good. Storytelling, it's going to be fantastic. You're going to get typical Roman stuff, yelling at the crowd, saying, oh, I hate Detroit. Oh, that's why the water here in this, in this, in this state sucks. Ugh. You know, all that, that kind of stuff. Uh, the babyface reaction for Jey Uso when he's firing up, when he's punching Roman, it's going to be good. I don't know what to expect. And that's what makes this storyline and makes Roman and everything about him so unique. It's going to be a great match. Now, I want to talk about the, uh, the first take appearance for a moment that Roman and Paul Heyman did with Stephen A. First of all, WWE is more mainstream than ever, pal. This is more mainstream than the Attitude Era. Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman appearing on first take with Stephen A. Smith. That's the equivalent of Stone Cold being on the cover of TV Guide and Goldberg being on the cover of TV Guide. So all the idiot fans that hold on to the Attitude Era and they're like, oh, these today's wrestlers aren't on magazine covers. No, they're on first take with Stephen A. Everything evolved. Get with the times. All right, let it go. Let it go. Let the 90s go. We're in a different era. This is as big as it gets. That's about as mainstream as it could possibly get. I, don't, I really don't think you get more mainstream at this stage. Maybe like appearing on Joe Rogan's podcast. That's maybe the only thing that could be bigger than sitting there getting interviewed by Stephen A. Yeah. And you know, we've seen wrestlers do that. So I digress. Now, Paul Heyman, what he said during this appearance is that Roman Reigns is the singular greatest box office attraction in the history of sports entertainment. Mm-hmm. And he made some points. And Stephen A couldn't say anything to it, couldn't refute it. Roman Reigns, we've seen him break records at MSG. He's broken records that Steve Austin and Hogan and those guys made at MSG and at WrestleMania Gates and International Gates. Roman's been there, done that. PLE subscriptions uh, for Peacock, I'm sure, are through the roof now for WWE. Ticket prices are at an all-time high in terms of in-demand. Now, I remember watching an interview, I think it was like 2017, 18. It was Billy Gunn, I believe, was the guy. Or Road Dogg. No, it was Road Dogg. Road Dogg was talking about Roman Reigns, and he was like, when we first saw that guy, this is the guy that we're going to hitch our wagon to, talking about the WWE brass. And WWE, they try to shoehorn it. They try to force it. It didn't work. Roman becomes himself, and look at him. Now Roman is everything that everybody said he would be. And we all hated the fact that people said it from 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19. Everybody hated it. Whatever they said, Roman's the guy. He's big box office. He's the guy. Roman has always been that guy. They just weren't using him correctly. Now they're using him, right? Roman is the biggest draw since Cena. And I'm sure there's an argument now to be made. If Roman keeps doing what he's doing, there's an argument to be made that he's a bigger draw than Cena. You know, Roman gets the desired reaction from the crowd. Cena never got the desired reaction from the crowd at his heyday. 
Yep. Not only does Roman have, not only like Cena had kids and women interested, which is hard to do. Roman's got the kids, he's got the women, he's got men, he's got everybody. He's got aliens. There's aliens on other planets watching Peacock. I'm sure watching Roman Reigns, the tribal chief, take on Jey Uso. So he's <laughs> Roman's got it all right now, and it's just it's crazy to me that it actually came to fruition. You know, like how often do people live up to the hype? Like Steve Austin, Cena, those guys didn't have the hype train that Roman had to live up to. Cena was this close to getting future endeavored. Stone Cold was a mid-card guy that WWE plucked away from WCW. He was doing tag teams with Brian Pillman, unhappy, getting getting underpaid by Dusty Rhodes in W in WCW. You know, like Stone Cold then he becomes Stone Cold by by chance because Triple H bowed in front of a crowd. And Jim Cornette cursed out Vince McMahon enough until Triple H, Triple H got punished. If the curtain call never happens, who knows? Stone Cold wouldn't even be a thing. Stone Cold would have never won the King of the Ring and cut that promo. You know? My point being is that Roman has expectations. Le- LeBron James level expectations to make a, a sports cross-reference. I, I don't think there's been a bigger prospect ever in wrestling since Roman Reigns. Or Right? W- would you agree? Prospect, I get what you're saying as far as guy who has the potential to be the guy sort of thing, you know, because we've seen a number of them who have some potential or they can be really good main eventers who just flopped. But with Roman, they persevered through the the absolute, the lows, the pushing him when he's getting the rock booed in Philadelphia and there are riots and everything we know about Roman Reigns when he was the the baby face who 90% of the audience was booing for three years. Pushed through all that. And now we're here, Kevin, which, as you allude to, this first take interview, this whole thing was such a brilliant showcase of WWE. Like, if I'm Nick Khan or Triple H or the WWE brass sitting back watching WWE, like my company, be represented the way it was represented on the first take, I'd be smiling ear to ear. This was an incredible presentation of WWE. They, meant, they mentioned the WWE championships. I talked about the lineage, all the names of the past. The universal title, how Roman Reigns has literally just single-handedly made that championship a thing. Uh, all the praise of Roman Reigns is the top star. Heyman and that dynamic with Heyman and Stephen A. About Stephen A wanting to be a manager, and Heyman's like, you know, these guys are dead. Like I'm, I'm the guy. You know, like I'm, I'm the best manager ever. Like how dare you suggest anyone else bar me is the best manager ever? Shut up, Stephen A. You know, like that all that presentation, and I'm watching this going. No one else could like. Cody could do a great job on on like a like a first take, and he's been on like the Today Show, and like Cody's doing these mainstream appearances as well. But the presentation of Roman walking in the room with the title belt, he does the little you know acknowledge me point. He's on the first take set in the suit. You know they've got Stephen A. Smith, Molly's there. This is first take. You know as you say for 2023, what other bigger outlets are there? I mean yeah, Rogan's podcast maybe maybe Tucker Carlson on Twitter. I guess maybe you know because there really isn't an alternative. That, that that's too it's divisive. If it was like Fox News or CNN, that'd be too divisive. You know exactly, exactly. Or him going on the View, one of these like you know left wing narrative shows. Like it wouldn't work. It would be it just wouldn't work. This first take is more. It's it's bigger than you know the Today Show with Jimmy whatever. You know whatever the Today Show, show Jimmy Fallon yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like that stuff peaked like five years ago, ten years ago. Now. First takes like, like the big show. Like, th- th- that's the big show in sports. That is the big show. Everyone knows first take. Everyone knows Stephen A for something or other. So 
to have Roman and Paul Heyman go on that show and perform so well, it was great. You know, Roman just seems so comfortable. He's like, yeah, I'm the guy. You know, he's so just, that's, he just oozes that. And that's what Dusty Rhodes saw in him 10 years ago, 11 years ago in developmental. And yeah, it's pretty crazy to see that. It's just, it's, you know, as you say, it, it, everything comes to fruition with that. And now, yeah, th- this is the Roman era. And one more thing I will say before I pass back to you, I love that you mentioned the idiots who still go on about how, you know, if this was the Attitude Era, they need to really amp it up. They need to do stuff better. The last two years, last year especially, what more else could you want? This is my genuine question. What more is WWE not doing that you could want them to see? Do they need more blood? I mean, you get blood with Cody and Brock Lesnar. You get blood when it needs to be there. Wrestlers aren't just bleeding everywhere. There's no need to. Do you want, I guess, what, Mandy Rose to be rehired just to do, like, strip teasers on Raw? Like, what, what, what more do you want? Like, what, what more could they be doing? Okay, Triple H is an asshole because he gives Bronson Reed a job and pushes him in the mid-card on Raw. Who cares? Like, it's, it's the filler segment of Raw. Is that really the biggest issue with Triple H? Nose man, uh. You know, like all, all these gripes, I don't get it. Oh, you know, the Attitude Era did so, so much stuff. Well, in 10 years time, when we're reflecting on this era, we'll say WWE did everything well then. That's what it's probably going to be. They did the Bloodline Era. Roman was the top guy. There was so much right and good about this era. That's what people will be saying. So for, the, for a bunch of this discourse online, this very niche sort of, the term is anti-smart discourse of the audience, if you're just bitching and moaning about rubbish, oh, it'd be better if it was, you know, women were taking their clothes off more and it'd be better if there was more blood and they need to be TV 14. The show sucks because it's not TV 14. What? My ass. Shut up. How about you use your eyes, use your own brain, think for yourself when you watch it. What else could they actually do better that would help them? Not just what you hear echoed from a YouTube channel in the wrestling community. Think for yourself. What more could they actually do besides... Trish Stratus getting nude on television for no reason. Like, seriously, it's 2023. WWE for what they're doing right now, outside of some little nitpicks with like how they're using theories, US champion or, you know, the presentation, maybe Zoe Stark with Trish. I don't know. About, these are like little nitpicks. These aren't these big issues we had three years ago, Kevin, as I allude to. Three years ago, we were saying literally everything was bad. And the only good thing on the show was like an edge promo. And like Drew McIntyre was like good. And that was it, you know, so... Thank you, Nick Khan. Thank you, Triple H. Awesome. Back to you, pal. Lovely. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm pretty much done with that, uh, with this Roman, Jey Uso. Roman's going to win. I, I think that's uh, not a prediction. It's a spoiler, as Paul Heyman would say. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts overall. Uh, what do you think it overall for this card? I, I'll go first real quick because I, I had said some, some stuff already, so I want to elaborate more. Um, I, I think this show... I don't know. I just don't... I think the hype is a little crazy for it. Like, it's going to be a good show. It's going to be a solid, you know, B-plus, A-minus show. Is the best of the Triple H era? I don't know. That, that's an interesting debate that I think we'll have to have in the near future on Elite Heat after the show is kind of taking place, maybe a month afterwards, a few weeks, whatever. And we'll see where it kind of ranks up. Because I really got to think about that now, what the best show of the Triple H era is. But I do think, looking at the card on paper, it's going to be fun. Um, but I, I think there are some points on the show where, like, I'm not going to be all that interested in watching Rollins and Fergal again. I'm just not. You know, and, and the triple threat women's match, not really looking forward to that. But I do think the two big matches, McIntyre and Gunther, 
and uh, Roman and Jay are enough to carry it and enough to make it a potentially elite level SummerSlam when we look back at the at this at the 2020s decade. Kevin, I will be that guy. There is a battle royal happening. Oh yeah, as well. Forgot about that. Yeah, that should not be on the main show. That should be on the kickoff. Yep. Uh, LA Knight will presumably win. I would assume he wins it. Gets a really big reaction. Whole crowds chanting for LA Knight, and then that's that. Like a ten minute battle royal. Not much else to really say there, unless there's something you want to unpack there. I don't well, what, what is it? Is it for like a U.S. title opportunity, or you get a trophy? Literally... The winner gets a trophy. Like what? Well, Kevin, I mean, I'll just read you what the Wikipedia says. SummerSlam Battle Royal stipulations to be confirmed. Dash Man Battle Royal confirmed participants as of August first. L.A. Knight, Sheamus, Tommaso Ciampa, Nakamura, Otis, and Gable. So that's about as thrown together and as who knows where they're going to go as you can get. They've announced like six wrestlers. There's no, you know, big thing they've announced. Maybe they're going to do Theory versus Escobar. I don't know. I don't know where they're going with this sort of stuff. Uh, we'll see. So but why couldn't we yeah. get like L.A. Knight versus Theory, or like can we get like can we get like a finger poke of doom saying when Theory comes out and just like gets finger poke and loses his title and just gets buried in future endeavor? Can we do that, please? Like yeah, how- save us of these like ten year long A Town Down TV segments that we're gonna be getting. He's a workhorse. He shows up because his contract says he has to. So you need to respect him. Yes. Yeah, what? It's silly. I mean, every it, every company needs that guy. That guy that yeah. works at Google for forty years. Every company needs that guy. But do you gotta praise that guy like he's Roman Reigns? Everyone needs to get praised nowadays. It's twenty twenty three. Everyone everyone's deserving of praise. I guess the theory is not because he shows like he he obliges to a contract he signed. Kevin he makes several hundred thousand dollars a year to put on matches and perform for WWE and. We're supposed to praise him on top of that when he doesn't do a very good job of entertaining us or captivating us. No, he doesn't deserve that much extra praise because he, his contract says you need to be in Ohio wrestling at this live event on the 29th of August. We're going to praise him for that? No, that's his job. I'm not praising someone for doing their job when they don't do it particularly well. So there you go. It is. All right, pal, you ready to go around the world? I'm um, not. No, I need to give oh, yeah. my son. Oh yeah, you got to give your yeah, yeah. yeah, please. Are you trying to cut me off, pal? Yes. Do you not want to hear my SummerSlam hype? No, I don't, pal. <laughs> anyway, uh, my hype for this is uh, about probably an eight out of ten. I mean, personally, the the Ronda Shayna match, I'm not that like hyped for per se. That Battle Royal, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, Waste to be seen with that. Uh, but I mean, the rest of the show, and also the Oscar women's title thing with Charlotte Flair. One more quick point on that. I know we touched on this in the Randy Savage bio, but the fact Charlotte Flair is now 14, 13, I've lost count. Uh, God knows how many time women's champion. We unpacked Randy Savage in that bio. Randy Savage had what? Two WWE title reigns and one Intercontinental title reign. And he is like a top 10, 12 all-time guy. Charlotte's held that women's title like 45 times and it's still hardly anyone cares. It's just like, yeah. Is Charlotte. Nonetheless, Kevin, my overall hype, probably an eight, nine for a hype. Hopefully, WWE really pull through with this. Will be the best of the Triple H era. Ways to be seen. If Cody and Brock gets 25 minutes as a fitting, good conclusion, that's a tick. If the main event gets like 50 minutes of TV time and is pure cinema, tick. If Ricochet and Logan Paul gets like 12 minutes, 10, 12 minutes, is a really fun opener, tick. If Gunther and Drew McIntyre is everything we expect it to be, big tick. If Ronda and Shayna Baszler have a good match, big tick. 
If LA Knight wins the Battle Royal and has a good moment there, big tick. If Rollins and Finn Balor doesn't overstay its welcome and has a, a good resolution, that's a tick. So for me, has all the makings of what could be a, a great pay-per-view. You know, there's no reason it shouldn't be. So yeah, Paul Levesque, double beauty talent. It's over to you. We've done our amazing preview, pal. This has been the best preview you'll hear in the community. This has been the best analyses, <laughs> the best breakdown of any podcast in wrestling, bar none. So, Kevin, I'm going to pass it to you, pal. I've got a globe right here, pal. Let's go around the world, pal. <laughs> around the world, pal. Let's go. Let's go, pal. Right, pal. Yeah, I just want to say one thing about SummerSlam, and then I'll get, get into it. I, yep. I think I've talked myself into thinking that this is going to be a good show. I think I've changed my mind. I think yeah. I'm, my hype is go is growing by the yep. minute. It's impossible not to be hyped. You know, the, the, you got Gunther McIntyre, Cody Brock. It, it should be a good match. Roman J, Ricochet, Logan Paul. It should be a good show. You know, it should be well, like like a potential. It could potentially be the PLE of the year. Well, Kevin, you were so just disparaging earlier on in our preview. You were like, oh, I don't really that hyped. We've seen this match a few times. And then you're very disparaging, yeah. pal. But now you, you've seen the light, pal. You've been convinced by yeah. the good side, by Jimmy the Elitist. I've convinced you that this is going to be the greatest pay-per-view <laughs> of the modern era, bar none. So, yeah. I don't know about that, go, but hey, who knows? Uh, we'll have to see where this, where this, how the, how good this show stacks up to like SummerSlam 13 and 15 and some of the great SummerSlams we spoke about. But... Oh, we better than 2015. 2015 too much filler. Anyway, Kevin, over to you. Let's go once again. I'm gonna, actually, I'm just gonna get the globe. Let's go around the world, pal. <laughs> yes. Let's go. Yes. Let's go. Well, I guess I'll start with this question. Why do you have a globe on your desk? I've had that there for honestly years. Like that's just been there. Why? Uh, I've had a globe since I was like little. And then I, I'm, I should have been using this for the around the world bit every other week. I don't know why I haven't. Yeah. It's always been sitting there. But now that's our new intro. I'm gonna, uh, Jimmy's going to spin the globe, pal. We're going to go around the world. So there you go. So you just have a globe there just to have it. You just like, you just like globes? I, don't want to, I like globes. It's just, it's just an object for interior decoration, I guess. I don't know. Interesting. Okay. It's just okay. sort of there. You know, I'm sure you have something on your desk, which is a bit random, but there you go. I guess maybe. I don't know. I digress. So I'm on a uh, I'm on a fruit cleanse. I'm doing a 72 hour fruit diet. Um, so I'm kind of dying right now. Like my my head is spinning. I'm very lightheaded, lacking protein. Um, so, also, that explains some of your opinions on SummerSlam. Why the show is going to be eh, for hype. I get it. Got it now. Yeah. 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 You ever done a, a fruit cleanse or any type of like fasting cleanse of that so nature? A fruit cleanse. So you're so is that only having fruit for three days seven, or is that not having just walk us through what you're doing pal from yeah. a day-to-day standpoint so i'm having fruit uh, I, I started yesterday but i ended up having to restart because i so i thought it'd be a good idea to go for like a, a, a speed walk go for a workout while i'm only eating fruit and nothing else so i literally almost passed out in the 110 degree florida sun while walking outside so I had to go eat like a sandwich and soup and, and whatnot and, you know, not pass out. So I'm starting it again officially today. Uh, so what I did yesterday, I had for breakfast fruit that I had lunch and dinner, a smoothie. And that's what I'm doing today. So fruit salad, um, all different fruits. I went and bought like blackberries, raspberries, pineapples, bananas, cherries, apples, oranges, grapefruits. We got, we got the whole garden in the fridge, pal. 
Oh my god! Wow, that that's like your your body is just like being pleasured by that. Like the the internal, you know, like all the the different vitamins and every all the antioxidants, everything's working in, in to and fro. Kevin's like the fittest and the most you know well tuned inside wrestling analyst and journalist and you know a human being in the game. Kevin, no, that's actually cool. Uh, I commend that quite highly. Like I'm sure your I guess day to day looks quite different now that your, you know, option for a, a snack or a, you know, a bit of breakfast is a, a lovely, colorful fruit bowl as opposed to whatever you'd probably normally have. So, yeah. Yeah. Typically for breakfast, I have like a yogurt and uh, and a granola bar. And I've been drinking like organic milk recently. That's like a typical breakfast. So then lunch is usually like a sandwich, just like turkey and cheese and, you know, keep it simple, pal, you know, mm-hmm. dinner, I get kind of frisky. Depends. You know, depends what's going on, yeah. but get a bit frisky, pal. Yeah, bit frisky, pal. Yeah, I get a little frisky, like a little pasta. You know, there's some rice and beans. I love, love rice and oh. beans. Eat rice and beans like every day. You know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's... I'm an island boy. What can I say? Love, I love oh, rice and beans. That's just tremendous stuff, pal. Kevin Garcia loves his rice and beans, pal. He's down on those rice and beans, pal. That is the fuel behind the content creator wrestling uncovered, pal. Also, I will say, um, I watched your Roman Reigns video. Yes. I thought, as far as, I mean, let's be real here. We all know the Roman Reigns story. You know, everyone's everyone's aware. But I thought you presented it quite well. Uh, once again, not just me backstabbing my co-host. Uh, I thought, you know, for that story that we all know inside and out with Roman Reigns, he came back at SummerSlam as the heel and he won the title and he had the Jey Uso. If you, we all know the story, but Kevin, you told it quite well. Uh, you presented it really well, had the flashbacks of 2018, had all the different things about Roman and the potentially showed and how he's living that out in 2023. So, bravo. Thank you, pal. Thank you. It'd, it'd be good if YouTube actually pushed that video and said it's like bold by looks of it. Like, yeah, YouTube's killing me. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. I, I enjoyed making that video. So thank you um, for the compliments. I, I appreciate that. Um, I, I, have, I have faith it'll, it'll grow as uh, that's one that'll live forever. Know that, mm. that the people in india love roman reigns pal yep they sure do pal they love any any video by superkick studios about roman reigns they love any video i make the watch time isn't there because i guess i'm australian so i sound different so i don't get the watch time on those videos i guess i don't know uh but that being said kevin yeah no i, I enjoy the video so big tick you've been quite consistent as well i must say yeah. uh that's been about i think the longest gap you've had between videos maybe about 10 days but generally it's been a video a week ish Yep. The last what six, seven weeks ish, yep. something like that. About two months. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, you I got the, the next one coming up is uh, uh, a one year reflection on the Vince McMahon hush money scandal. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Stop. Big time. Kevin, now. are you going to drop that? So you plan on dropping that one a week ish? I want to drop, ideally, I want to drop it sometime in the next like two, three days. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, because we're doing, as we've talked about for the listeners, we're doing Elite Heat about grading Triple H a year in, which we're going to do a whole big segment on Vince McMahon in that. So that's going to be a nice, like, podcast form version. But your video will no doubt be scathing. Some of the ways you use the English language, I applaud. Uh, that's one thing we like to do on this podcast, especially as you listeners would know. I like to really use the English language to really emphasize and make things seem either bigger than they were, more dramatic than they were, more confronting. So yeah, some of the stuff you say in your videos are just. Whew, what was whew. it? What was like one thing? Do you, do you remember? Oh, um, I think you were describing it was Reigns and Brock Lesnar. 
I think. And the way you described Roman Reigns, it was like, you know, using his age, often use the ages. You're like, this is a 32-year-old Samoan blah, 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 facing a 41-year-old cage-fighting MMA blah, blah, blah. And then you go on about, like, the effect that has. And this drove away this many viewers having Vince McMahon. Oh, no. It was when you were describing Brock Lesnar throwing the belt and, like, that all that sort of thing. It's like, this whole storyline, Brock Lesnar is a 41-year-old, desperate to take leave, one year into his Universal Championship reign. And Vincent Kennedy McMahon, his hush money paying 72-year-old boss, is forcing him to work and keep holding the title against a guy who we all know just is going to win it anyway up until SummerSlam and the belt got thrown at him. Like it was something like that was just brilliant content, pal. That is the content I subscribe to you for, pal. Oh, that is awesome. I love, yeah, I love that clip of this. That's one of my favorite clips in wrestling history. Brock Lesnar just chucking that Universal Championship belt, the, the strawberry red Universal Championship belt, that Vincent Kennedy McMahon's skull. That's so good. Pal. But that title, I mean, we've done a whole episode on, you know, the new belt and the, the big gold one. Like, we've done a whole episode. I'm not going to do a big discussion here. But think about, like, the absolute calamity that championship was. Fergal being on the main roster for three minutes and being gifted the world title when he's done nothing and no one knows who the hell he is. He wears demon paints. We're going to give him the world title, even though he's literally smaller than me. Okay. Then from there, Brock Lesnar, there's the, the Goldberg-Kevin Owens calamity at Fastlane 2017. Brock Lesnar holds it for a year when he's not on the show. And the main thing on Raw is the Miz is Miz Bear with the entourage with Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas. Get to 2018, it's Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar every week. When Roman Reigns, 90% of the audience is booing him. And then it's just a disaster. Roman Reigns came in. And as I was saying on first take, Kevin, he single-handedly made that championship the most prestigious championship in the history of the World Wrestling Entertainment Company, pal. Roman Joanna Y. Reigns with his five children in his Pensacola, Florida mansion worth $6.8 million. Roman Reigns saved that championship belt, pal. Paul Heyman, the wise man, made that special by staring longingly at that championship like it was his long-lost son, just like every day. Hats off to Nick Khan. As as our great loyal listener Brian once said, Nick Khan, one of the greatest visionaries, not just in wrestling, but in life. Nick (laughs) on thank you pal and i just i can't say enough so yeah, there's me kevin that's me done all right me done. let's get out of here pal uh, we're an hour and 40 minutes in it's been a hell of a show thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you on the next one peace